Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. This is your host, Keith Collins. And I am blessed, as I am every week, to know that you are listening from somewhere. We know that people are downloading this podcast from many different locations, many different regions, even various countries. So it's always humbling, and it's always a blessing to know that people are hearing the Word of the Lord. People are being encouraged in their walk with God. People are being stirred. They're being challenged and The fire of God prayerfully is becoming more and more real to those that are listening. Let me ask you to do me a favor this week before I go into the the stuff I want to share today. And again, following up from last week, I want to continue on a theme. But before I do that, can I ask you to do me a favor? If you have not done so, could you subscribe to this podcast and could you give us a rating and also maybe just share the link with someone maybe who needs to be encouraged in their faith. Maybe it's a family member, could be a friend, could be a pastor, could be a co-worker, whoever it might be. Um, I just want to encourage you to do that. I know that we're reaching a lot of people, but I also know there's a lot more people that we want to reach. And listen, friend, it's all about people being delivered and set free from Satan, from sin, and from themselves. It's also about people learning how to walk in a place of intimacy with the Lord, even in a place of personal revival. And really, that's what this podcast is about. When I started this, well over two years ago now, um, I felt to name it Maintain the Flame. And I, I get that theme or that title from the book of Leviticus where the priests were instructed never to let the fire of God go out upon the altar. So the picture there is that their role, one of their primary roles, was to steward the fire of God upon the altar. And of course, that goes back to the sacrificial system, the burnt offerings that were offered continually and incessantly into the Lord that the Lord really required in that system of of sacrifice and that system of offerings unto the Lord. However, it's a beautiful picture of our own walk with God and how that the Lord 
instructs us really to maintain the flame in our hearts that it's not just a one-time trip to an altar, maybe in a church where you shake a preacher or a pastor's hand or an evangelist's hand, and he says, listen, repeat this prayer after me, and you pray a prayer of repentance and ask Jesus into your heart. Listen, I know people have been saved that way, and I know that can be part of your testimony, so by no means am I trying to undermine that. However, I want you to understand that Friend, that is not the full picture of salvation. Of course, we are initially saved out of sin, but we are also saved into a walk with God. And it's an ongoing walk, and it comes with fire. Jesus said he would baptize you with fire. And um, there is a baptism of fire. There's an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. However, um, you know, we can read where the, the apostles in the book of Acts, they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So there are ongoing infillings, and there is the ability to maintain the flame, and not just maintain, but for the fire of God to grow hotter and brighter in our lives. So I hope you hear my heart. That's that's the purpose for what we're doing. We don't do this because we need something to do. We're, we're very busy. We have a radio program that that runs in really the eastern part of the world primarily, and we um, travel a lot, and we write, and you know we mentor a lot of leaders, and we oversee a, a group of churches and missionaries and pastors and business leaders, so we're, we're very busy. But at the same time, I know that this podcast ministry, that this radio ministry that we're doing is very vital. It's very important. So I want to encourage you to share this with someone and um, you know maybe have somebody over to your house and, and play this, not because of me, but because of the truths that I believe we are espousing or we are revealing each and every week. So thank you for doing that. And this week, I want to return to the theme that I launched last week, which was simply First Love Fire. And last week was part one. As I shared last week, I recently wrote a book called First Love Fire. The subtitle is Living a Life of Sustained Surrender. And in this book, I I really deal, number one, with what it means to have a first love and then what it means to forsake our first love. Again, Revelation chapter 2, it talks about the church of Ephesus in the first three verses of chapter 2. It really lauds them or really um, honors them and, and praises them, so to speak, for their fervency, for their faithfulness to sound doctrine, for their refusal to ex- to accept false apostles, on and on. And to look at that church from a surface viewpoint, man, they really had it going on. They were astute, they were pious, they were steadfast, on and on and on. But listen to verse 4, where the Lord says, of course, John the revelator or John the disciple, the apostle wrote the book of Revelation. But listen to what the Lord says through John. He said, nevertheless, in other words, even though all these things about you are true and they're accurate, they're correct, he said, despite that or nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left, not lost, but you have left your first love. And then he admonishes them, of course, to repent and to go back and do your for, your first works. So that's really the the crux of this book that I wrote and and I wanted to to kind of hit part 2 today and last week I dealt with what it really means to live with mixture. Um, you know, how, how do we leave our first love? First of all, you need to understand the Lord never leaves us, right? We can't say that God left me. 
But we can say that we have forsaken or we have left our first love. And as some people say, there are lesser lovers that begin to draw our attention or they begin to capture our gaze and we allow other things to take the place of Jesus. And oftentimes, as I shared last week, we get into a place of mixture. And mixture basically means this. Jesus is still a part of your life. It's kind of like the Israelites. Oftentimes, they wanted to claim Yahweh as their God, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel as their patriarchs or their fathers of the faith. However, they would... um, they would collude or they would amalgamate other religions and other pagan deities and demon gods among them. And as a result, they would enter into what, you know, missiologists call syncretism. And you see this sometimes in South America where you'll see witchcraft and maybe another form of, of religion mixed together, sometimes Catholicism in South America primarily. But, but you'll see the, the mixture of religions and it's called syncretism. Well, I, I declare that there's another type of syncretism, if I could use that, that terminology. And I think you understand what I mean to where we, um, amalgamate or we join idols and other things in our lives and we might not have a stone idol or a wooden idol or a golden idol in our house that we pray to or like a Buddha or anything like that however we allow idols in our hearts to eclipse the beauty the holiness the all-consuming fire of the heart of Jesus Christ and we we enter into mixture and oftentimes we are religious enough that we're able to soothe our conscience and override conviction because it's kind of like we we balance things that well if i'm paying tithes if i'm giving to maybe support you know poor children in india and maybe i'm supporting human trafficking um you know and i'm going to church at least three or four times a month then you know what? Um, it really doesn't matter that I'm allowing myself to also indulge in maybe a little perversion, maybe a little pornography, maybe I'm, you know, maybe a little deceitful with regard to the way that I'm handling my money, and maybe I'm not really being honest among my coworkers or even among my ministry staff. And listen, there's many things that we can talk about, but what happens oftentimes is we've got so many things right that we ignore the other things that do what? That hinder true intimacy with Jesus. Now, now here's what I'm saying. You can have a successful ministry and life, Christian life, externally on the outside where people look at you and you look so holy, so on fire for God, so pure, and you can fool people. As we say where I'm from down south, um, if you're listening to this overseas, the southern part of the United States, but but you can what we call put on the dog. You can make an exp- an impression upon someone, and you can actually deceive them into thinking that everything is so perfect. But here's what I know, my friend. You cannot be intimate with Jesus and live with other idols and other lovers in your heart, in your spirit. In other words, when you maintain the flame of God, when you have first love fire in your heart, then the primary thing in your life is the secret place. It's not the platform. It's not your, your YouTube channel or it's not your podcast or it's not your, you know, your Christian um, magazine article that you write. It's not even the fact that you give to the poor and want everybody to know about it or maybe nobody knows about it, but the Lord, but still you can do all those things and ignore your first love. So therefore, John writes the words of Jesus, repent, go back, 
Do your first works. What are your first works, my friend? Friend, your, your first works were recklessly abandoning yourself unto Jesus Christ to where nothing but Jesus and Jesus alone captured your passions. And some people say, well, that was in my early walk with God. That's, that's when I was a child in the faith. Well, the Bible is very clear that we are to be like children, even to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is the Lord showing us there? There has to be that that that, that willingness to live by faith, to, to live with a radical level of love and intimacy towards Jesus, to where, friend, he becomes everything to us. And sadly, what happens in the lives of what I call veteran Christians or even veteran ministry people is they get so good at doing ministry there's an anointing on their lives possibly or maybe there's a a gift or even multiple gifts and it's the anointing and the gifts that carry them and therefore there's almost like a deception that takes place because they they begin to believe that because there's actual effectiveness in their lives and the reality is I mean, there have been people even, I'm not going to mention names here, but we, we can go back to the Bible and mention names, and we can look at David. Um, you know, we can look at others throughout history, even in church history, even back in the 1980s in America, and even from then until now, it seems like fairly often we we hear of someone that has a successful ministry. Maybe they've got many sons and daughters, and they've trained people, and they've equipped people, on and on and on. However, somewhere along the line, they forsook their first love. And they begin to maybe enter into a lifestyle of compromise and maybe it leads to alcoholism or maybe it leads to a sexual addiction or or, or maybe it leads to um, mishandling of finances and maybe um, abuse of authority or power. And all the while they're doing these things, they're still preaching, man. They're still going for it. They might even be going out with evangelism teams on Saturday afternoon in their towns and on and on and on. But the bottom line is they forsook their first love they forsook their first love and there's again mixture in their lives and if you haven't heard last week's episode where i i talked about signs of of mixture or signs of leaving or forsaking our first love then i would encourage you to go back and listen to that but today uh, i want to spend the the second half of this and i'm about halfway through this goes very fast um i want to talk to you about recapturing your first love. Now, maybe you're listening to this, and maybe you love the Lord. Maybe you're saved. You're born again. Maybe you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have had encounters with the Lord. Maybe you've been in a revival setting, or maybe you've felt the presence of God multiple times, and there's been, you know, a lot of powerful experiences in your life, which is which is awesome. But maybe you're at a place right now where there's somewhat of a dullness with regard to your walk with God. And there's no passion, there's no fire, there's no joy. And even though you're, you're faithful to duty, you are foreign to intimacy. Let me say that again. You might be faithful to duty, the duty of Christianity, the external acts of being a believer but intimacy with the Lord is foreign to you, and maybe you can look back in your history and remember when the Lord touched you and say, man, that was so awesome. Well, I'm telling you, my friend, you can experience that again, not just once, 
but you can live in that place. I've I've said before on this on this program, actually many times over the last two and a half or so years, that the thing that amazes me about the Apostle Paul was the revelation that he had about the love of Jesus, not just for him, but towards him. In other words, it was like a tractor beam that that pulled him into obedience, that pulled him into holiness and righteousness. I'm not talking about some legalistic form of presentation. I'm talking about an inward purity that actually, of course, is seen externally, but but an inward desire to know Jesus more and more and more and more. And he writes even in in Philippians, and he, he shares that, listen, his greatest desire is to know him. He already knew him, but Paul realized there was no end to Jesus, no end to his love, no end to his mercy, no end to his grace, no end to his beauty, no end to his holiness, no end to his power, etc., etc. There's this open invitation to come closer, to come deeper, to come higher. And um, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Psalm 24 says, He who has clean hands and has a pure heart, those that have not given themselves over to idols. In other words, there's a place of intimacy that comes through a first love experience that that comes through doing our first works over. And a lot of times we look at that word works and we say that's a religious word. And I understand it can be, but listen, we, we've been called to good works. And when good works come forth from intimacy with Jesus, then they're full of life and they're full of eternal fruit. And they're full of power and presentation. And the Lord touches those works and lives are radically changed. So my friend, if you're listening today, I'm encouraging you that you can recapture your first love experience. It's not too late. You've not gone too far from him. You've not walked away too much. Let me just read this this chapter in this book, this is still in cha- this paragraph, excuse me, out of verse one from my book. I said, perhaps you can remember a time when your walk with God and your service to him were motivated by intense love and devotion. You were driven by a divine union comprised of a relationship that was so pure and tangible that nothing was allowed to become between you and to, to come between you and Jesus. You experienced a deep appreciation for Jesus because of the horror and the glory of Calvary's cross that had become real to you by way of a glorious transformation. The fact that Jesus willingly laid down his life and endured the excruciating death of a Roman cross was so material that the only response to this historical event was to willingly embrace a life of deep, deep devotion and undying love for your Lord and your Savior. Friend, as I read this paragraph, can you remember that? Listen, the the thing that brought me to Jesus was not the reality of hell. And I'm going to be honest. Now, listen, there is a place for preaching hell. And I, I, I preach about hell. I, I still talk about hell. Why? Because Jesus talked about it. The Bible is very clear. People need to know there is an eternal place called hell that's prepared for the demon and his fallen angels, as well as for those that are disobedient to the Lord and that reject Jesus as Messiah and reject the power of his blood and the salvation that's provided. So we understand that, and that needs to be preached. But can I tell you something? I didn't come to Jesus because of hell. I came to Jesus because the night I was born again, January the 24th of 1985, I had a radical revelation and vision in the spirit of Calvary's cross. I beheld the horror, 
the blood, the pain, the 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 broken body, the the ripped body, the ribbons of flesh, the blood that poured out, the the face Isaiah talks about the visage in King James English was marred. In other words, his his face, his appearance was so battered and so bloodied that you couldn't even tell what he was or who he was. However, in the horror of that, I beheld the beauty in that, that God would wrap himself in flesh and come as God the Son, the Son of Man, and willingly lay down his life to set me free from me, to set me free from sin, to set me free from demonic influence, to set me free from an eternal hell. The, the greatest price paid for humanity was on that cross. And Jesus, he said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. Friend, that's the crux of a first love experience. When you lose that, and when that becomes just a historical event that took place outside of Jerusalem some 2,000 plus years ago now, when that just becomes historical where some young Jewish man, 33 and a half years old, laid down his life, and you can recount the history of that, and that's all it is is history, then you leave your first love. In other words, but when that is real, Paul said, I desire to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that was the foundation of everything that means anything to humanity and to history and even to eternity. He was slain from the foundation of the world. Why? Because it was God's ultimate master plan to bring humanity back to him. And friend, when that is real to you, then your first love is not just a check-in on Sunday morning and a tithe check on Sunday morning. No, friend, he becomes everything to you. He becomes your reason for breathing, your reason for living, your reason for family, your reason for destiny. He becomes everything to you. And listen, many of you have lost that. You have neglected to see the price that he paid. How do you do your first works over? I believe it always starts with a picture of Calvary's cross. And the fact of the matter is, it stays there. We understand there are different themes, and um, we don't just always preach Jesus and what he did on the cross. However, everything should be connected to that, because everything from the Old Testament through the New Testament points to that and is revealed and explained because of that. So it's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of deliverance. It's the message of Jesus Christ. And friend, many people listening to me today, you have forsaken this. I mean, you, you know it intellectually, you know it theologically, but you don't know it experientially. And it's just become a thing of the past. I implore you, get on your face right now. Get on your knees right now. Humble your heart towards Jesus. Ask the Father, Father, give me a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this young, passionate Jewish man who was God, but yet a man. Give me a fresh revelation and a fresh picture of him hanging on the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Lifted up before humanity. Lifted up in blood. Lifted up as a picture of a sacrifice, a spotless lamb, the only one worthy to be a sacrifice, to make a ransom for humanity, to become the propitiation for sins, 
to set the captive free. Friend, this is the gospel. This is our first love. This is what stimulates our hearts with passion for him. Whenever we begin to fall into the deception of good works, the deception of mixture, the deception of doing what we do so that others can look at us and say how spiritual or see how spiritual we are. When we get to that place, friend, that's where it gets dangerous and Jesus just becomes a part of our life. Like I said last week, we compartmentalize him. He's a part of our lives, but he's not our lives. When Calvary is real, friend, he is our lives. Nothing else makes sense. There is nothing else that even comes close to this reality in all of our selfishness, all of our pride, all of our ego, all of our human ambitions that we call sometimes God's plan for our lives. They begin to dissipate and disintegrate. And something called the cross of Calvary comes into view and the blood begins to prophesy to us, humble yourselves before Jesus because it's at this place that our first love is awakened and at the cross everyone's the same friend it doesn't matter how big your ministry is how big your business is what your name is how much money you have in your bank accounts or your your portfolios friend what matters at Calvary is that Jesus paid the price and it's at that place that our first love is awakened it's beheld and when we, return, when we return to that place over and over and over again, we do our first works, friend. Nothing but more of Jesus will ever make sense to us. The things of this world, as the old song, and I, I quote the song often because it's so true, but the things of this world, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and of his grace. Friend, what has captured your passions? What is it in this world that is more important to you than Calvary's cross. You love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't have a love for him, but do you love him? He asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? What was he getting to, friend? He was getting to the very core of Peter's heart and passions. Friend, do you love Jesus? If everything was taken from you in the natural tomorrow, would Jesus be enough? If you lost your title, pastor, if you lost your pulpit your platform your paycheck and your parking place would jesus still be enough friend if the lord sent you on the back side of the desert where nobody but maybe a small tribe of people lived and you were to give the rest of your life maybe to four or five hundred people to make known christ to them would that be enough for you if you found yourself friend being abandoned like Paul said, everyone in Asia has turned their backs on me, but Jesus was still there and the cross was still there. Would that be enough for you? You see, friend, that's what it means to maintain a first love. That's what it means to be captured by the love of Jesus, to be captured by the call of God. Father, we thank you for truth today. I pray that listeners far and wide, Lord, throughout America, throughout the nations, Lord, as they hear this message today, that their hearts would beat, that their hearts would be stimulated, that fresh love, fresh passion, fresh joy, fresh fire would awaken within them. Lord, now go beyond my lips of clay and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, visit everyone that's listening to this message today. Set their hearts on fire and may Calvary become real to them as never 
before. Thank you so much for listening today to Maintain the Flame. Listen, visit us, keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. Also, if you've not gotten the book yet, be sure to get First Love Fire. You can find it on Amazon. Just search First Love Fire, Keith Collins, and the book will come up. Hey, we love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Again, let me encourage you to share this broadcast, this program with someone today. And I believe we'll continue this next week. I look forward to being back with you. And may the fire of God burn brighter in your life this week, this day, than ever before. Be blessed in the glorious name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.